Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm so glad that you're all here. Make sure, oh yeah, there are people out there. Wow, what a deal. I know we're a little light today. That's because we have a lot of people out there already helping and getting set up in the in, with our super bounce, and they were at our first service that are normally second service people. So we've got a little con- conglomeration of people today doing things. So I want to thank you for being here. My name is, is Roger Went. This was already stated, as you probably figured it out. I'm not Jeff. Uh, so what are you laughing at out there? I heard that laugh. All right. I know I look like Jeff. Well, maybe not. I'm not going to speak like Jeff either, so, but we're going to have a good time. Uh, we're doing something a little different that we've done before, but uh, we have Pastor Eric down in the gym. You notice I tell you that after you're seated, uh, and I'm not going to do anything that's going to explode like he might, so that's all right. And Pastor Dave is out in North Platte at this time as well. I want to mention one more thing. How many were involved with our New Life United picnic at Johnson's Lake last week. Oh, yes. Wasn't that an awesome event? One of the things that, well, there were two things that happened out there that I had to deal with. One that I really want to share that is exciting to me, and that was the water baptisms. How many enjoyed those water baptisms? We had 27 people water baptized. That is exciting. And I see the ones who are really excited are the ones that got baptized. I could look right there and see, oh, yes, what a deal. That means 27 changed lives that says, hey, I want the world to know that this is what's happened in my life. There's one other thing that was mentioned. Pastor Jeff mentioned last Sunday morning a little bit about being some pastor with that started with R that was afraid of chickens. I, I took a lot of heat about that. And I have to admit, that is me. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. So I admit it. I've lived with it all my life, and I'm not going to deny it. So you were good to go that way. All right. Today, we're going to be starting our, our continuing our Forgotten God series. This is the third in our teaching series. And we're going to be focusing on the Theology of the Holy Spirit 101. For you college students, 101 means what? Basics, right? We're going to talk about some basic things that all of us really need to know as Christians, I believe. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We, we just sometimes don't always understand that. And we're talking about a word that kind of goes over my head, and it's the word theology. How many theology? Is that a word that you, you, we don't use a lot of? Is it theology? What does theology even mean? There's probably some of you here who think you know what it means. Some of you that maybe do know what it means. But I know when I don't know something, where do I go? Siri. Siri knows everything. So let's find out what Siri says, how she would describe theology. Come on, Siri. All right. Siri, what does the word theology mean? definitions of theology. The first one is the rational and systematic study of religion and its influences and of the nature of religious truth. All right. That's a little bit. I asked her a little different this time and she answered it different. 
She answers it different if you say Siri, and she answers it different if you just say, what does the word theology mean? She just goes into a little more detail. Basically, it's the study and the nature of God and religious belief. What we believe is so important. How many know that what you believe is going to impact the way you act? It's just the way it is. What we believe is is there. That's why this is so important that we study the theology of the Holy Spirit and understand the nature of God. Because if we don't, it's going to impact the way we live. See, you can't live beyond what you believe. I know that that's true. And so what I want to do is to kind of get us started here. We'll find out how much you know and hopefully what you even believe about the Holy Spirit. We're going to do a little pop quiz here. Everybody ready for a pop quiz? If if you fail, there's no cotton candy. I hate to tell you that, but, well, maybe we will because I want cotton candy just in case. All right, question number one that we're going to deal with is, who is the forgotten God? I need your answers, not mine, your answers. Who is the forgotten God? Holy Spirit. Oh, good. I knew you'd get that. All right. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. Yes, He is God. He's what? There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which makes up God, doesn't it? All right. Next question. Should we refer to the Holy Spirit as an it? Why not? He's a person, exactly. It's not an it, it's a person. I don't want to be called an it, I want to be called a person. So there we go. What's another name for the Holy Spirit? What's that? Spirit of Christ. Holy Ghost, there we go. I remember, I remember growing up in, in my little Presbyterian church in Keystone, Nebraska. Anybody know where Keystone is? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's right below Lake McConaughey, a little dinky town of about, I don't know, a few people. Anyway, there was a church there, and I think it's still there, and uh, I'd go there, and, and the pastor once in a while had mentioned the Holy Ghost. Back then, everything was King James, and so it was the Holy Ghost. Here's what I thought of. And some of you young people aren't going to know what I'm talking about, but some of you older ones will. How many remember the cartoon character Casper the Friendly Ghost? That picture came to my mind every time he would say the Holy Ghost. I'd think, Casper, he's here somewhere. I don't know. So, all right. Another question. When do we first receive the Holy Spirit into our lives? What's that? When we see the, the question got a little tougher here, we didn't get quite as many answers, but that's exactly right. When we accept Jesus into our heart and life, he comes in, he gives us a new heart, and his spirit then comes to live within us. And when that happens, we get all of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at that time. So the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. We call it salvation. So the Spirit comes. So next question, why do we really need the Holy Spirit? The voice of Christ. See, I told you they get a little tougher, don't they? Yeah, you're still going to get your cotton candy, though. Here's the main reason. When Christ comes to live within our life, when we accept the Holy Spirit and he takes control here, what do we do? He provides us with what? Life and freedom, doesn't he? But really what his role is, his major role, and this is what I want to speak to us mostly about today, 
is that he is the one that is going to give us the power to do what? To please God. Why, why were we created? One of the major reasons we were created was to what? Be people who please God. We use different words like glorify God and all of these things, but it basically comes down when we do God's will, we are doing what? We are pleasing him. Sort of like when your children do what you want them to do, they do what? They please you, right? It's the same principle here. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. One of the things I've learned is when we please God, we always get the best deal out of it. It's not just that God says, oh, good, now you did this, and you're saying, oh, life is tough. No, when we please God, we get his best, we get the best, it's a better deal for all of us when we're doing that. So that's what, what we're talking about. I believe that most of you here today are, are those, some of you are listening, some of you are watching on, on, offline or online or some line, or you're out there somewhere, high out there. So it's just, it's just amazing that the reason you're here and the reason you're doing that is I believe in your heart of hearts you want to do what? Please God, right? Isn't that why you're here? Isn't that what we're doing? We want to please God. That's our role. The problem that I found, though, way too often is instead of pleasing God, which I want to do, there's somebody else I like to please even more. Who might that be? Ourself. Roger. You got that right. I want to please me. Any of you else, any of the rest of you face that type of thing? It's that kind of thing. We do, don't we? We want to please self. That always gets in the road. I think Romans 8 will help us here. We're going to talk a lot about Romans 8 today. It gives us a lot of insights into into the God's Spirit here, the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 7, it says, When people's thinking is what? Controlled by the sinful self. I might even add selfish self that goes in here. They are what? Against God. There are some versions that say they are hostile towards God. And then it says, because they refuse to obey God's law and really are not even what? Able to obey God's law. Those people who are ruled by their sinful selves, what does it say? Cannot please God. When our sinful selves is in control, guess what's happening? We're not pleasing God. How many have struggled with not pleasing God? I think all of us have at one point or another. See, it's impossible to to please our flesh, our old sinful nature, and to please God at the same time. It just doesn't work. Sometimes we try to make it work, but it just doesn't. But this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit living in you, when he comes to live within you, he provides you the power so that you can then, in fact, please God, so that you can, in fact, obey God's will, so that you can be doing what God has called you to do. The Holy Spirit provides you that extra power to accomplish, his, to accomplish God's will for your life, which in turn does what? Pleases Him. Are you getting the picture? We're going to be talking about what? I can't please God, but I can with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's his role in our life. We need to understand that our purpose is to please God. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to help us to please God. I think that's a pretty good combination, don't you? 
All right. It's, it's sort of like this, this illustration. I, I think it's a good illustration. This, this summer here, a few weeks ago, it was the middle of the summer, and I thought, oh, it's time to change the oil and sharpen the blade and, you know, get everything all spruced up because it's been going pretty long summer here. And so I got my lawnmower out, and I did all that, and I was going to take my, my blade down and, and get it done because I needed to mow that night or at least in the next morning. And so I checked with them, and I, and I don't have a power grinder. And I went to a certain place, and they said, no, we can't get this done until tomorrow or maybe the next day. And I thought, I need it. I said, well, I'm sorry, we can't do it. You can leave it here, and we'll get it done for you. Well, I went home, and I got my, can we get a picture here? See this file over here? I don't have one of these. I'd be nice if I had a power grinder. Because those power grinders do what? They just, and those things are done in no time, and they're sharp. See that? That's me. And I don't even have a vice, so I have to hold it with my foot and sharp. Can you imagine how dull my blade really is? I can't imagine. But that's what we tend, sometimes tend to do, I think, in our spiritual lives. We try to sharpen the, our lives, our spiritual lives, with a, with a file. And we can only get it so sharp, and we can only do so much, and we just can't get the job done. Where God says, hey, I want you to have a, I want you to have a power grinder. And just put that in. See, we can't use what we don't have. And we need to appropriate that. See, our, this is where I believe that the, the theology of the Holy Spirit really comes in handy. We need to know these things. We need to be able to understand how this is all going to work. We need to understand what the role of the Holy Spirit is. We need to understand what the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do and how that's going to increase our life. The role of the Holy Spirit is basically this, to empower us so that we can please God. And as I mentioned before, Romans chapter 8 has a lot to say about this. And there's, it's going to provide three critical things that I think we need to know and to believe if we're going to please God. Number one, the Holy Spirit what does it do? Controls your mind. Boy, that sounds great. I bet there's a lot of people that like to be controlled in here, right? No, it sounds a little weird. The Holy Spirit controls my mind. Let, let me explain to you a little bit what, that's, what we're talking about here. Maybe just get a little better grip of it. First of all, it doesn't mean that you become a robot. You know, it's not that type of thing. We sometimes want to, that's not what it's about. Or, or a puppet, we're just a talking head. What it really means is the Holy Spirit will help you make right choices. I don't know about you, but I need some help making some right choices. How about you? Isn't that where at? I'd like to make some godly choices. And when I find that when, when I allow the Holy Spirit to help me make right choices, those choices are not going to be selfish choices. They're going to be what? Godly choices, aren't they? These are things that are going to be for our best interest. Anytime we're making a choice that's based on the Holy Spirit in control of my mind, giving me a godly choice, it's going to be for my best interest. How many have made some choices on your own that haven't gone so well? You know what I'm talking about? We just sometimes make some tough choices. We think they're good. We want to do what's right. But we make a dumb choice and it's really a selfish choice and all of a sudden we find ourselves going, oh man. And our spiritual life sometimes even goes south on us. And we get ourselves in all sorts of trouble. I think Ephesians 5 
18 will help us here a little bit. It says this, do not be what? Drunk with wine, which will do what? Ruin you, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Does it mean that we get the Holy Spirit and he just starts pouring in until we start get it up like, like we pour in water into a glass? That's not what it's talking about. What he's really talking about here is that we are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Think about this first. Do not be drunk with wine. What happens when we're drunk with wine? What is controlling our mind? The wine, the alcohol in the wine is it's controlling our mind. And we're doing whatever it tells us to do, which is kind of some crazy things. And it leads to ruin. It leads to all sorts of problems. So what he's showing here is a contrast. Don't be, don't be controlled by what the world has to offer to us. The world has all sorts of things, but that, that's, not, that's only going to lead to problems. But be controlled by the Holy Spirit because that's going to be what is going to please God. That's what's going to help us. In Romans 8, 5 and 6 here, it says those who are what dominated by the sinful nature. Remember that word, dominated by the sinful nature. Think about sinful things. But those who are what? Controlled by the Holy Spirit. Think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting, remember that word, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Doesn't sound like a good option to me. But letting, allowing the Holy Spirit to do what? Control your mind leads to life and peace. Which would you prefer? Death or life and peace? Ah, life and peace. Absolutely. That's what we're, so here's what we're at. I want to talk to you about this, this words. I think there's two key words in here as we look at this. And the first one goes back, if you go back, is dominated. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature. And my question to you is, what is dominating your thinking today? Or what's dominated your thinking during this week? Hmm. I'm guessing some of us don't want to share that. You know what I'm saying? That sometimes we get those things. What's dominating this? Because what's dominating our thinking is going to also dominate our actions. And it's going to cause us to act in ways that we either want to or don't want to. See, when the Holy Spirit is dominating your thinking, you're going to find yourself doing what? What are we talking about today? Starts with a P. Pleasing God. There we go. It's gonna, we're going to please God when the Holy Spirit is dominating our thinking. When the Holy Spirit dominates our thinking, we're going to trust God even more. We're going to make more right choices. And that's really what we're trying to do. How many know that life is made up of the choices we make? And when the Holy Spirit is dominating our thinking, we're going to make more right choices that are going to please God and are going to be for our best interest. They're going to lead to right actions. They're going to lead to right attitudes that in turn please God. And the second word is letting here. So letting your sinful nature or letting the spirit. Which are you going to let? What does it mean to let? Basically to let means to to allow. To allow this to happen. What are you going to allow into your life? Maybe even in some places with the Holy Spirit. What are you going to cooperate with? Are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you? As he talks to you and what he's asking you to do? 
Are you letting him? Are you allowing him to do these things? You see, your mind works in many different ways. How many have found that your mind just goes here, here, there? And it has a, a lot of actions, doesn't it? The number one thing we talked about earlier is it, it makes choices. Our mind makes choices, meaning we can choose to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. That sounds like a good plan, right? Or we can plan and follow our own selfish desires. Now, I don't know about you, but I get myself caught up way too often letting selfishness rule. I'd I'd like to say I'm not a selfish person, but boy, I catch myself, if I'm not careful, being dominated by wrong thinking. And then what happens? I don't let, I let the wrong thing control my mind. And, And I don't make the right choices that I need to make. Another thing that that happens, what happens in our past? If we have a past, how many have a past of any type? How do you know that? You remember, right? The mind remembers. It remembers the good times, remembers the bad times. I'm guessing many of us are in here have some regrets that our mind brings up to us once in a while. And we remember, oh, why did I do that? Why, if I would have only made a better choice? You know what I'm talking about. It's, we, we make those type of things. It, it's going to help us. But also, it can help us with good things. But if it's going to help us, let, let's say Scripture. How many have had Scripture come to your mind when you're maybe talking to someone that needs some help, and all of a sudden a Scripture pops into your mind? Or a Part of scripture pops into your mind. Or when you're dealing with something, a problem maybe of your own. And you're saying, wow, I don't know what to do. And God just puts a scripture that just kind of pop. Some of you are nodding your heads. You know what I'm talking about. How did that get there? First, before you can have that scripture pop into your mind, what do you have to do with your mind? You have to put it into your mind. See, you have to have a past with God's word. So it's there. We need to fill our mind with those type of things so that we have something that we can remember. So this is part of the process is that remembering. It's going to help us to remember even Scripture at times. Another thing that it does, that, that the mind does, it sends good desires to us, and it also sends some evil desires. And I don't think I have to mention, we, I'm guessing we've all had some evil desires come. And what I find is that sometimes they come right at the most awkward moments or even when you're not expecting them which tells you that they're coming from what outside in which tells us that there's an enemy that's battling for your mind isn't it there's a how many have found that your mind is a battlefield going on with good desires here bad desires here and they're just in here and you oh i want to do this and we we try to stiff arm these bad desires and we don't get very far because we don't lose. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to come in, guess what? He's going to use his power to push off the enemy. And he's going to use his power to win. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. It's his power that's going to help, help us get rid of those evil desires and let the, the good desires control us. One other thing it does is it controls what you say. Your mind, what's in your mind is what's going to come out of your mouth. Yeah, that's good. And that's, how many have said some things this week that you wish you wouldn't have said? Yeah. It started with what? A thought, didn't it? 
started in your mind and then a thought. I, I, I really believe that most of us would like to say, oh, I wish the Holy Spirit were, was really controlling my mouth a little more or maybe a lot more. Am I right on that? That's where we're at. We need the Holy Spirit to control our mouth. And he does that by first controlling our mind. See, all this means when we let the Holy Spirit control our mind, we are going to please God in all of these areas. And we're going to enjoy life and have more peace. And isn't that what we're really looking for, is to have more peace of mind, peace of heart? That's really what it's all about. It's sort of like maybe a good illustration. And I don't know if there's... When you're trying to use an illustration for God... Or the Holy Spirit, you know, anything. It's kind of hard to make it exact, but I think this is maybe a good illustration. It's sort of like cruise control in your car. The cruise does what? It controls the speed, but you're still what? You're still very much, you're still driving, but it's controlling the speed. I like to use cruise. I just, I can't imagine going down the interstate without cruise. It just is there. How many really enjoy following people who do this? Yeah, me too. Makes me go back to my mouth a little bit, saying, maybe you're not controlling my mouth either here. I, you know, I say some things that I wish I wouldn't have said, like, how stupid can they be? Can't they figure this out? They need to put their crews on! <laughs> well, maybe not quite like that. Well, yeah, maybe Johnny's here, my wife. She, she knows that's sometimes what happens. Sometimes I'm better than that. Sometimes I just... But, Anyway, we'll go on. I know none of you would ever do anything like that. I know that's not the way it is. But the Holy Spirit wants to be our cruise control so that he can control our speed and how we're doing things. Maybe we could just add to a little application with this is what happens when the cruise is on and you tap the brake? The cruise goes off, doesn't it? Yeah, the cruise goes off. I don't know, but sometimes we tap the brake on God. You, you know what I'm saying? We tap the brake, and all of a sudden, who's back in control? I am. Because if you tap the brake, who takes total control then again? You do, right? Because it's not only you steering, it's you with the foot feet. But there's another thing that can happen. Sometimes we override his cruise. How do we do that? We just step on the gas, don't we? You know, we're going along, and we're... Boom, uh, 75 isn't fast enough. I think I'm going to go 76 or 85 or whatever it is, you know. Now, that's only when Johnny's driving. I never do that. I just stay right there. You know, that's just the way. But you know what I'm talking about? But that's really the way we do with the Holy Spirit sometimes. We, we either override it, we tap the brake, or we step on the... I, we, we're not moving fast enough here. I've got to take control, and the Holy Spirit, surely do, he would understand because we need to get the job done, and boom, we're off, and all of a sudden we're in the ditch, and we can't figure out how in the world did that happen. You know, it's that type of thing. Uh, he wants us to cooperate with him by giving up control of our mind is really what I'm saying. A great way to accomplish this, I think, is by filling your mind and heart with the things of God. That will, that's really the key. And Philippians 4, 8 tells us some things that we need to fill our mind with. He says, fill your mind with these things. Things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. These are the things that you're to fix your mind on. 
not the opposite. What I find, if, I don't, if I'm not careful, I start allowing things that aren't pure, aren't honorable, aren't true, aren't praiseworthy. What are, you, what are you fixing your mind on? That's really the key. Let God's crews take control of your life. Next, the Holy Spirit helps us to please God, and we need to know that the Holy Spirit kills your sin nature. All right, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit kills my sin nature. The Holy Spirit is here to help us please God by what? Helping us overcome or put to death or be separated from the sin in our lives. From the, how many have found that there's a pitfall? Sin has a pitfall, doesn't it? That's what it is. But what does that look like? What is, how does that look? Let's see what Romans 8 has to say on this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, you have no what? Obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by the dictates, you will die. There's that word again, die. So that old way is not a real good way. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, what will you do? You will live. Put to death. How do we put to death the sin of our evil nature? Who does that for us? The Holy Spirit. That's not something we can do. How many of you have been fighting sin and can't win? It just seems like there's something that's going on in our lives and we just battle it and it's just like this. We can't win. We need to let the Holy Spirit come in and go boom and knock it out for us. He's the only one with the power that can do that. First of all, you notice it says we aren't obligated to sin. We, we, we don't have to sin anymore. Once we've received the Holy Spirit into our life, once we've accepted Christ into our life, once we've stepped over the line from, from living for ourselves to letting God rule in our life, that means I am not obligated. I don't have to live that way anymore. I now have a choice. I can choose not to follow this. I can't choose, I can't do it on my own, but I can choose not to. And now I have to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let Him do it for me. He's gonna do, He's gonna do the fighting for me in this area. He's our overcomer. I'm not the overcomer. The Holy Spirit is our overcomer. And, and we, we can't, the reason why we do this is because we can and should rely on the Holy Spirit and His power to say no. I found that when I say no, I can say no, but a little while or the next day I say yes. But when I let the Holy Spirit take control, all of a sudden, he's the one that's saying no tomorrow, the next day, and the day after. But I have to continually just allow the Holy Spirit to take control of my life in this area. See, no sin or temptation to sin is more powerful than God. Can you say that with me? Say this again. It's not on the screen, so you're going to have to listen. No sin or temptation to sin is more powerful than God. Do you believe that? Yes, believe that. My question to you is, what sin are you battling? Think about it. I know we all are. We all have some, or at least one. If you don't, let me know. Come and see me after church. And I need to talk. This is great. I need to figure out how you can do that. But we are all are battling. But here's the key. No sin can control you unless you let it. But in our own power, we're always going to lose eventually. See, the Holy Spirit has the power to kill and to put to death the deeds of sin. 
the Holy Spirit controls your mind so that you have the power to kill sin and the power to avoid the actions that lead to sin. I think that's great news. Allowing the Holy Spirit to come in. When we understand that theology, that the Holy Spirit's power is what's going to help us overcome sin, that's great. But one of the things I've noticed, have you noticed that some sinful behavior is killed a lot quicker than others? I know when I first became a Christian, when I first stepped over the line and accepted Christ in my life, one of the things that happened, well, a couple things. A couple outside sins that are, I say outside sins, pretty obvious sins that I had in my life was my language. My, I, I, Jeff, Pastor Jeff said he cussed like a sailor, and, and I had some construction guys that disagreed with this a little bit, but I, construct, I cussed like a construction guy because I was working construction all that summer. And it was just like, wow. It was just terrible. But when I, when I asked Christ to come into my life, he took it away. And he took my drink. I had no desire to go out and get drunk. I had no desire to even drink. I, I still to this day don't have any desire to take a drink of alcohol. Did I enjoy it? Sure. Do I need it? No. I have no desire for that. God took that away. But there are a few things inside that he didn't take away, like my quick temper. That was there. Uh, my people pleasing. And I'm not going to get into details on some of the other things that were there. All right? But there's some things that took some time. What God was really trying to do in my life is he was trying to help me to come, well, learn how to surrender these things to him and to the Holy Spirit's guidance on a daily basis. And then he's going to help you moment by moment by moment do these things. See, it's important that you realize that you, each one of you, 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 we all play a major role in putting to death our sinful nature. You can't determine what needs to be fixed. You must trust the Holy Spirit to help you focus on these areas. For example, you might say, oh, okay, God, I'm going to pray. I'm gonna, I think what I, take care of my greed. I'm a greedy person. I, I know I'm selfish that way. Just take care of my greed. And the Holy Spirit is saying, that's not what I want to work on today. What you really need to take care of is your pride. And I say, oh, no, no, God, I don't need to take care of my pride. I've already got that all covered. I'm perfect in that way. My pride is all done. No, no. You see what I'm saying? We think we know what we need to pray for, but we need the Holy Spirit to tell us how to pray and what needs fixed. We're sort of like a car. Well, sometimes you take a car in and you say, well, you talk to the mechanic. You say, well, I think this is what's wrong with it. And he looks at it and he says, no, that's fine. It's this over here. Well, that's a little bit the way it is with the Holy Spirit. He says, wait a minute, it's not this. This is what needs to be dealt with. And if you deal with this, that'll take care of itself. We're not mechanical people, though. We are what? Relational. So we sometimes want to fix things and just get it all fixed. We can't. The Holy Spirit says, hey, just trust me. Let me help you. I'll give you the power to accomplish this. But how do you do this, you ask? Maybe, maybe the question is, we just need to have, like our physical body needs what? Nourishment. We need nourishment and health. So, so does our spiritual being. Our spiritual being needs this type of health. We need our fruits and veggies, don't we? Our spiritual body needs fruit and veggies. And we have some here. If we look at Galatians 5, and 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? Fruit. 
in our lives. And they are, say these with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, who wouldn't want those things controlling your life? These work as antidotes against the sin that comes into our lives. Just whenever you go to pray, pray and ask God. Say, God, I need all of these areas at work in my life. Help me in these areas. And they're going to work as an antidote. They're that fruit and veggies of your life that you need. And finally, let's go to the last point here. To please God, we need to know this. We need to know and we need to believe that the Holy Spirit affirms we are God's children. Wow. I think Romans 8 says this for us again. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Say that again. Children of God. We are all children of God. This is where our theology really becomes important, I believe. We must believe and we must accept ourselves for who God says we are in Christ. We are a child of God. I'm guessing many of us, most of us maybe I could say, struggle with self-identity, who we really are. And we need to see ourselves as God sees us. He sees us when we've stepped over that line and he's come to live within us. We are now what? A child of God. Romans 8, 15, it goes on to say, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful. Slaves. We're not fearful. We don't have to be that. Instead, you received God's spirit when he did what? Adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Wow. If you're like me, way too often I work hard and I struggle so hard just to please God by what I do. Just similar to the way I used to do when trying to please my father. And many of us still are trying to please our father. And we weren't always able to get the job done. I know there was a lot of areas where I wasn't able to get that done in my life. And some of us are still trying to please our Father, and He's not even alive. It's different with God. He wants to be there for us. We don't realize that we already please God. Why? Why? Because of who we are in Christ. And who we are in Christ is what He's done in our life. When Christ comes to live within us, He says, Hey, I'm going to give you your Holy, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to live within you. And with, with the Holy Spirit, you're going to please God. And God is looking down and he's not seeing who you are. He's saying, hey, I see the me. that I, I see your potential. I see your potential. Always remember that God chose you. He adopted you into his family. We don't adopt him into ours. Isn't that exciting? We're adopted. He looked and he says, hey, over here. He's looking here and say, hey, come, come, join my family. Come, join my family. Join my family. I want you in my family. Just to, It's a free gift. It's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. See, the work of the Holy Spirit is to affirm to us that we are already his children. So once that happens, how many times I found myself saying, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not this. And the Holy Spirit says, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. Yes, you are. He doesn't look at you the way you look at you. He doesn't look at you the way your boss looks at you. He doesn't look at you the way somebody else is looking. He looks at you differently. You're his child. 
And how do we get that way? Well, first of all, we need to understand this, that we are, we're what? We're sinners. We need a Savior. We need to have a Savior. And we, we just need to go to God and say, ask God and say, God, would you forgive me of my sins? I need you to forgive me. And because of what Christ did as our substitute, that's what this cross on the corner over here is, is all about. It represents the substitute that Jesus died on the cross and took, took our sins. When we accept that, wow. And then we surrender to him and we become, and he, he becomes our Lord and our leader. He becomes our boss. He becomes the one that rules our life. It's not our old selfish nature that's ruling. When I step over into his new family, I have a new family now. I'm not in the old family. I'm in a new family. I'm in his family, and he is ruling. I'm, I'm in a new house. It's a great opportunity that he gives us. The Holy Spirit causes us to pursue a relationship with God, even to the point of calling him, what, Abba Father. That's a personal thing. What he's really saying, I didn't call, I didn't go around saying, Father, talking about my, 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 my father. I didn't say, Father, I would like to have the car tonight. That wasn't the way it was. It was, Dad, can I have the car? Dad, I, I really need to, I need to, Johnny is beautiful. You, you know, it's that, I need the car. You, you know what, we, and I call him Dad, because he was my dad. It's that type of thing. And then here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He then affirms that he is your dad. He is your father. You can count on him. When this happens deep, deep in your heart of hearts, you will want to please God. And the Holy Spirit is all geared up to help you accomplish it. It's sort of like when I was a little boy playing baseball. There's some games where I'd strike out a lot, some games where I'd get some hits. I was always wondering, did my father really, was he pleased? Well, obviously, he didn't want me to strike out, but when I'd get in the car, he didn't say, wow, son, you were terrible tonight, this or that. He always was affirming me uh, in this area, which made me want to go back and stay in the game and play. Now, you might have some fathers that didn't do that, but I can tell you now, if you've accepted, if you stepped over the line of this side, you do have a father now that's like that, and his name is Abba Father. He is your God, and that's what he wants to do. We can apply this by saying this, you can live boldly as God's children because there are no losers in the kingdom of God. Can you say that with me? There are no losers. I am not a loser. I'm in his kingdom. I'm in his family. I'm not a loser. That includes you, each one of us. So don't succumb to the lies and the fear of of fear. Don't succumb to the lies of doubt. His love overrides our fear and his love will help us provide what's best for us. Also, don't, don't succumb to the lie of abandonment. So many people are living and feeling like, oh, I'm being rejected. Even God rejects me. Not true. God does not reject you. The Holy Spirit is here to affirm to you that you are part of his family. He wants you in that family, and you have been adopted, not rejected. Or to the lie of favoritism. It's sort of like... Well, I, when I grew up, I, it was like my family, my mom and dad loved my brother better. Oh, wait a minute. I was the only child. That didn't work. But, but you know what I'm saying? We all feel like, oh, God loves somebody else better. Look what they get, and I'm having to go through this. No, we're all equals in God's eyes. That's the neat thing. God looks at you, and he says, same. I love you the same. I want what's best for each one of you the same. 
Let me challenge you. When you worship God and we're going to worship here in praise or when you go to prayer, always remember to call God your father. He's your father. He's your dad. He's there for you. I want to just conclude quickly with this. Know this, that pleasing God is not a matter of just being positive, but it's a matter of believing the truth, believing God's truth. Remember, it's not your power, but it's his will to set you free and to help you live a life that is pleasing to you. When this happens, trust me, you're going to want to seek God more and more than ever before. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love for us today. I thank you that you have allowed the person of the Holy Spirit to come and live within our lives, to come and and when we allow him to control our lives, to set us free from the things that are holding us back from your best in our life, for what you have planned for us. You allow the Holy Spirit to take rid and get rid of the sin in our life. You have allowed the Holy Spirit to come and just change us into the very person that you want us to be. Father, I say thank you that you have adopted us into your family. And I just ask that you just continue to work your miracles in each one of our lives. May we not see ourselves as losers, but may we see ourselves as winners, Lord, because you're living within us. I just say thank you, God. May you go with us. May you strengthen us in Jesus' name.